Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Jules Gill, the first UBP, UBP, UBP. Of 2023, how's he doing? How's he feeling? May it's I'm I'm a mixture of emotions and energy. <laughs> I feel so excited to be back that I feel like I'm going to stumble over my words oh. because I'm just that excited oh. to get back into the content milking. There's so much hashtag content. Cow. This is the yeah. The, speaking of hashtag, there's like a whole herd of uh, content cows this year. There's I mean, didn't realize Dead Space is out in like two weeks. I thought that was more of like a February March. No, thing. do you not remember? Because we were joking about it before. Because when the Callisto Protocol said that it was coming mm. out then, that it was like Dead Space was significant pushed up and it was like interesting <laughs> that that they would want to sort of say no 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 just hold on a little bit longer for this I feel like because I finished Callisto um, this week actually I was I tried to play it across the holiday that game's bad that game's really 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 bad I mentioned this on the other podcast yes but I feel like I was looking forward to that so much and I feel like it was like oh my god this thing's going to get out ahead of Dead Space because it's the next evolution mm-hmm. of that formula mm-hmm. it's Glenn Schofield whatever but now because it's such an absolute tire fire all it's done is reinforced the idea that you need to get Dead Space that's the original thing Thing. That's Maybe the good this thing. was a long-term marketing plan by the Callisto <laughs> team. They were like, let's make our game so um, remarkably bad in so many weird ways mm-hmm. that then people will go to buy that. And maybe they've got shares in EA still because it was originally their team that made Dead Space, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think Glenn Schofield's <laughs> secret baby has yeah. always been Dead Space because all this has done is made me... Because I've still not finished Dead Space 2. What? And so that... I know it's like if you talk about those like big games that you never get around to, I never got around to Dead Space 2. And so I've started it a few times, but I never get very far through it. I've not any real reason just something else always distracts yeah. me or whatever um, but I'm going to go through Dead Space 2 ironically before I go through Dead Space 1 again oh that's going to be such lols. a weird shift because <laughs> so much happens in Dead Space 2 that mm-hmm. I feel makes it actually significantly better than Dead Space mm-hmm. 1 I know that mm-hmm. I'm in the minority because a lot of people will think that Dead Space 1 the original is the classic is the best okay. but I just really like the the, the, the subtle shift towards action a little bit more mm-hmm. than uh, the original Dead Space while upping all of the sort of visceral gore and violence and just really having an oppressive feeling. It's like mm-hmm. what Resident Evil 2 was going to Resident Evil 3 for me. It's the mm-hmm. uh, you're never safe nemesis is right on your uh, doorstep feel mm-hmm. of Dead Space 2 that I found so immediate compared to the first well- one. I think like Dead Space is like the um, alien and oh, Dead Space One and Dead Dead Space Two, like the alien and aliens of gaming. Like you mm, either like mm, the sort of like mm. slower pace of the original, or you like the more like action, crazy, stomping everything stuff of two. Mm. Which like I I'm a, I'm an alien guy out of Alien and Aliens, um, but I want to play more Dead Space Two. So I was like determined to get through that and determined to get through Final Fantasy Six because um, I've never finished oh, that man. either, and that's like a big thing. Do you know what? Like Final Fantasy Six. I know we'll get onto some actual questions for the UBP, the UBP, the UBP. <laughs> but seriously, the Final UBP. Fantasy Six is just like it's. 
it was one of those things where it's become a meme in and of itself because mm-hmm. uh, it was like Final Fantasy VII. That was the benchmark of the Final Fantasy games. It was like no yes. better than that. Then there was the subset that came out and said, actually, no, Final Fantasy VI was the best. And that's the real air quotes purest choice because it was the last sort of 2D uh, foray before it jumped into mm-hmm. 3D. And it is impeccably well written. Mm-hmm. But let's face it, if we're being honest with ourselves, <laughs> it's Final <laughs> Fantasy IX. Final Fantasy IX is Whoa. the king. Is the king, mate. I, I, depending on what day you ask me, I can totally go with that. My two top favorites are always like seven or nine. Like yeah. I grew up with seven and eight, and then obviously into nine and stuff. There's, I like that whole run. There's some absolute madheads out there that are just like Final Fantasy eight till I die, and I'm just like, <laughs> are you taking a lot of drugs right now? Because I feel like, the thing is like. I think I've told this story somewhere on Chatty Faces or maybe mm, on a pod mm. or something, but when I was a kid, I didn't know really that like eight, or I didn't really know that they were all separate stories. Yeah, so you like, I played seven at a friend's house. Yeah. I went to buy it. They didn't have it in stock, but they did have eight. And I was like, spinal tap. I was like, well, it's one more. It's one louder. I'll get that one. That'll be even better. Ain't, and none, it was ain't no more thing. fantasy than Final Fantasy. <laughs> so I was like, I'll get that. But then getting at home and being like, oh, this is a completely different thing. But then, you know, it was like my first one that I yeah. got through before I then got back to seven and nine and everything else let's just uh, have a little moment of silence for triple triad may you rest in peace as the oh. greatest mini game ever made anyway right let's actually get into the ubp scott <laughs> and you know what i'm gonna come at you fast and furious as if i okay. am vin diesel and you are my paul walker so good it is time to talk about the question from a big dog sloan what a great <laughs> great name who says BDF. over on the instagram by the way we got 51 responses off of my thing there which is a huge number of suggestions and and, uh, a massive thank you. So massive thank you to the UBP crowd, you big uh-huh. legends. Should big... say we've got tons of stuff on Twitter as well. We're going, be- yeah. we're going between the streams, but we're going to do a bumper episode. Flipping back and forth like the paddles from Sonic Pinball. Um, yeah. So Big Dog Sloan says, what gaming related New Year's resolutions have you guys? Yeah. Oh God, <laughs> but have you guys? Mine's, mine's a thing that I think I had last year, which is just like, because we live the content life, I find that a lot of my day-to-day mood is like dictated by whatever I'm playing or whatever's coming out or whatever's on the horizon. And I'm sort of like, I'm waiting for the next big thing to really get invested in or really talk about. And I'm looking forward to talking about that stuff with like friends or whatever. And that's obviously valid. We're going to do those podcasts. We're going to do yep. those videos and stuff. But I need to divorce myself from that. Like, because I live and breathe this stuff so much. Um, it's just like, yeah, it's just like being able to disconnect from that and go for a walk every now and then yeah, go do something else um, go play guitar for a bit go play some shakuhachi like that's like a wind instrument that I took up last year like go do nice. something that means you can do, you can get positivity from somewhere other than the industry that you spend so much time in so your gaming resolution is to do slightly less gaming <laughs> I, like, <laughs> no, no, I, I like it that's good that's it's good. a thing I was because I last year um, it was like you know the like game pass sort of really kicked in you got yes. way more like pound for pound titles every single month and I do like I do like living the dip life where I dip into various games and if something takes then I'll absolutely hammer that and I'll finish it and I try and finish as much stuff as possible but I guess that's another one which is like a standard thing is a lot of people you know there's a general statistic for the mainstream that a lot of people don't finish games Mm -hmm. so I guess I would try and finish more games because I do find that hitting credits is very satisfying and like over the uh, holidays like I finished Midnight Suns Callisto Final Fantasy um, there's I'm a lot I'm so glad you got onto the Midnight Suns train mate it is so <laughs> I much I love that fun, game so it? much do you know what I, uh, like, I, I think it's one of my favourite uh, superhero games ever yeah, I, I, same, it goes, totally. it goes uh, Spider-Man uh, Miles Morales then mm-hmm. Spider-Man and then Spider-Man 2 there's a lot of Spider-Man mm-hmm. games up there <laughs> maybe uh, first two of Batman but then Marvel Midnight Suns it, I is, was good. Just, it is good because we were obviously the strategy side of it is the best mm-hmm. and like the, the, the way that they have all these different combos that you can put together all these little clinch moves that you just yeah. get out of like a certain combo of things I actually quite liked all the 
quirky academy stuff. I mentioned this on the podcast earlier. It in the really week. did grow. It me. totally grew on me, and I was like, I can totally go with this sort of like fan fictiony. What if you were this like old school hero yes. spending time with the, these characters and you know having breakfast with Spider Man or whatever it is? Like, I can go with that, and I had quite a lot of fun with that side of it. The only like, thing time. that I wish that they could just remove from that game to make it much better, just take mm. the Abbey exploration bits out of it. I didn't yeah. enjoy running around just going to the this wall that I knew that I could only break if I had this unlock. It was so yeah. transparently obvious that this is a gameplay trope that it was mm. like it was really ugly and um well, when you look at the academy um uh, from the for the abbey from above right mm. it makes no logistical sense i know that it's meant no. to be in this like weird little portal of itself but those walls that were blocked that could only be broken by certain keywords and stuff like mm. that the architecture of it it's just like who built this place it makes <laughs> no sense whatsoever you've literally walled off this entire garden the only way to get through is to smash down a wall what are you thinking well it's like they sort of make it it feels like Mortal Kombat 11's crypt mode which yes. like is like yes. where, the, where the movement yeah. is and you're sort of just running to interact with one thing but I I mean I was looking at the trophies after I finished it and I was because I was like maybe I'll go for the platinum oh, um, oh, good but, luck, which I didn't do because <laughs> I was like there's just mate. too much BS but like in that game there was a whole thing about like crafting potions and visiting Agatha Harkness mm-hmm. more and like Combining stuff, and I was like, I didn't even find that stuff. Like, yeah. I would like finish the whole game, and I barely found anything out in the ground. So, like, I went to some places, but that power wheel that you get, I got like one of four exploratory powers. Oh, I just didn't need it. There was there was a bit when it was like, um, you can go and leave these artifacts in this sacrificial bowl, and yes. you can get other bits from it. And I was like, okay, I am now fifty <laughs> hours into the game, and I haven't needed to use this. Same no. with the potion craft. There's a lot of that game that could just be cut out, and it would n- yeah. miss it at none at all. But anyway, this is a completely different thing there. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yours is to play less games and enjoy life more as well as yes. complete the games you do play. My yes. New Year's gaming resolution. Now, I don't actually have uh, so much of a problem of completing games because I have such a few on my uh, sort of roller decks, as it were, at any mm-hmm. one time. So my New Year's gaming resolution is going to be to try new genres and go out of my comfort zone. So I'm very much into the tactical squad based sort of stuff. Mm. It comes from my love of Warhammer and just sort of that thing of micromanaging everything. I Mm. think that I'm going to try and take a step out of that. Try a few more shooters, try a few more racing games, try a few more maybe even sports titles. I will Mm. maybe even give FIFA this year ago. I don't think I'll like it, but I'll give it a try. I'll give it Uh a try. So I'm going to. I kind of want like the return. Because I, I managed to get the Steam Deck hooked up to my... T- I got a Steam Deck nice. dock for Christmas. Um, so I hooked that up to my TV. And when I put it on, and I didn't actually know what file I was clicking on, I t- clicked on something that was like a .bin file. And then it opened... Uh, it was Tekken 3, but it opened on like the old Sony logo where it's like... Nice. And it get the big like... Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the diamond thing. And I felt my entire soul come back to life. I was just <laughs> like, this is absolutely incredible. And I was like, there's so many things that I want to go back to, like PS2 classics and stuff. And it made me realize that like, I wish EA would revive the EA big thing oh, i wish they single, would do every single license you know, under that ea big was the best like yeah and it's like when you go back to it like, like burnout and freaks um freak style and like like um sled like storm street stuff sled storm like um nba street and everything yeah. but they also came with such incredible soundtracks which i know i know they would cost so much more now but if they just did like an ea big collection and just put that stuff back out like i mean i now thankfully have it because of the steam deck but i'm like half a grand half a thousand pounds later to be able to get that <laughs> yeah, stuff exactly i always love it when people talk about it. it's like oh yeah my pc can emulate this it's like how much you spent on this again it's like, like uh, less than it would have done 
wanted to actually just buy the console and half this game. I should have totally. I mean, the, the uh, inverse of that is that I should have just got a good PC because I've now spent <laughs> so much stupid money on a Steam Deck and then a Steam Deck dock when I could have just hooked up a tower or something. Um, but yeah, in terms of 2023 stuff, I can roll in a question from Andy Taylor. Sure. And let's talk about specific games. He says, what game are you most excited for in a stacked 2023? Um, for them, it's either the new Zelda Tears of the Kingdom or Spider-Man 2. Keep up the best podcast in the land. Oh, well, that's very sweet. Thank you very much. For the best fans and listeners in the land, thank you all very much. Yeah, I mean, seriously, we do appreciate you guys. Every yeah, single well. week, we get to take a look at some of the mad questions that you've got. But <laughs> this one is actually fairly sane. Um, the the mm. hardest part is actually choosing which game to be excited well, about. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I literally just recorded a 20 most anticipated games of 2023. Is. And mm-hmm. I had to change one of the entries on that because I realized that Space Marine 2 was not on that list. And <laughs> I am so hyped for that. I think that Well, there's tons this yeah. year. And the thing is, like, I, um, I get a bit hung up on... I don't know how much of this is just old man me, but I get a bit hung up on the amount of um, sequels and remakes and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I just I want to see what new things are happening in the industry. And I know that we've got Forspoken very soon, but I feel like that's going to fall. And so like, I'm that curious the anticipated list no no joke because I know and I, I get like I get people are like it's a lot of money and it's like a new Square Enix thing and there's a lot of things going for it and it's written by like Gary Witter um, it's just and, that trailer uh, Amy, it is just uh, that trailer absolutely scuffed it's every it's bit of writing in it yeah, and like the, tra- the, the demo that's out for it is like terrible so whatever but like I was like that's kind of curious because it's like a new thing the thing I'm genuinely most excited for is Atomic Heart yes. and so like that's yeah. a new IP I want to know what that is I did just read there was an interview with the devs talking about how long it's been in development and apparently they had to cancel the multiplayer and strip back a lot of the game to even make the release window so I don't know if that game's actually going to be good now I'm actually more um, I'm actually grateful that they have scrapped all of that it's the same Mm. when you know when your favourite game of all time uh, Pal World you know the uh, (laughs) uh, the Pokemon with guns it's like when that came out and it's announced all of these features it's Mm. setting itself up to fail because it's like it's a massive multiplayer like uh, system it's got all of these things you can capture all the Pokemon you can do all this it's crafting Mm. it's survival it's like no 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 dial it back just get back to the core concept do one good thing and this is the thing Atomic Heart devs seem to have recognised this early on and just said we had a great scope but let's actually dial it back to the core experience because mm. if they nail this this mm. will fill that gap between uh, Judas coming out which is going to be obviously Ken Levine's new yeah. Bioshock-esque title and mm. whatever Bioshock Infinite was whatever mm-hmm. Fallout 76 was it's that beautiful mm. thing if they can get that right a sort of future alternate history post-apocalyptic sort of thing like if they can get that right then that will be my game well it gave me like singularity vibes I don't Mm, know if you played that but mm. like Raven's singularity is one of my favourite like one-off games and obviously Raven is just part of Activision now so you're never going to get stuff like that so I'm looking forward to well that's the thing I'm looking forward to something that sort of channels that like like you said Bioshock energy singularity energy Mm. and it's like later this year maybe we'll get more info on the actual next Bioshock because that's been in development for like two or three years now so there's things like that that's the interesting one because remember back in the day when they did the report and I can't remember who reported was but it was Kotaku mm. that uh, posted it wasn't it where they said that it's going to the new Bioshock is in development um, they're working on it and it's going to be Bioshock in space now Judas is I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's there was a whole leak about it being like it's two major locations it was based on a tale of two cities but okay. I don't think they confirmed like where they are or anything because in space maybe. seemed to be the biggest sort of rumour that came out of mm. this and Judas is effectively Bioshock in space so maybe True. they were potentially looking at that before Ken mm. Levine then took it away and then reworked it I don't know mm-hmm. but if, if that's the case Maybe. then that definitely would be um, 
the spiritual successor to Bioshock, which I desperately mm. want. Please. Well, I'm just, I'm, yeah, I, I'm very curious what Ken Levine does. It's been 10 years now. I was thinking this on the train on the way into work this morning. I was like, it's been 10 years since GTA V, The Last of Us, Bioshock Infinite. Like, mm-hmm. we're a decade on, and Ken Levine hasn't put anything out. So it's like, I know he was always working on whatever that he was like, oh, the next narrative evolution in games. But I'm like, okay, what is that? Because apparently it's some sort of narrative building block game that everything you do dictates a whole new way the game and the script all plays out, yeah. which... Maybe there's always a worry with that, isn't there? Because it's, Mm. um, I can't remember which video I was watching. It was a YouTuber that was talking about uh, how, why choices in video games are the worst thing for video game designers. Because it's like you go, uh, one choice here affects Mm. 50% of the game going forward. And if you say that every choice matters, not only Mm. setting yourself up with huge expectations from your consumer base, because they will then think that every action means something and be annoyed Mm. if it doesn't, but you are creating such a headache for your development team, Mm. trying to figure out how all of these interlink how many different tangent paths you've got to create so mm-hmm. it's a brave and bold statement to say uh, that every single choice is going to affect it going forward but uh well it was like a, there was a report i think it was a, it might have been kataku a couple of years ago just saying that they've gone through so many iterations of this and the levine sort of changes his mind every other week on like exactly how to execute it so i mean i was glad that we finally got a trailer for it but i guess we'll see what the hell that thing is maybe later this year or whatever not probably not in full but you might get a bit more of it um is your most anticipated the warhammer game um i think it would either be that or maybe final fantasy 16 um i have been Ooh. pretty hyped on that especially when mm-hmm. you look at the people who are actually heading up the dev team on it so you've got Yoshi the creative mind behind uh Final Fantasy fourteen, who a uh, Realm Reborn, so whoever like who shaped that into actually mm. being a decent one of the biggest success stories of the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got combat designer from Devil May Cry five is mm-hmm. um, working on the actual. Uh, oh, is that who the lead combat yeah, guy is? Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. So this is so, and obviously <laughs> when you take what Final Fantasy um, the remake. And mm-hmm. what was it? Stranger's Paradise, whatever that was called. Stranger of Paradise, yeah, yeah, yeah. the origin um, thing. Like the, the sort of action hybrid that they were building mm. on that. If they carry mm. that forward with DMC infused over the top craziness, then hell yep. yes, this is going to be a game. Well, the thing is, I'll just, I'll quickly throw in another question here because we got one from Jack Jingle just saying sure. 2023 prediction, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth will give all of us the best Christmas ever later on. Um, and then talking about the Crisis Core remake and what we thought of that. <laughs> yeah. um, and it, that is the thing. It's like, this is the year of Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy 16, Final Fantasy VII Remake Part yes. Two. Um, and Crisis Core, the remake just came out a couple of weeks ago. Um, where uh, we and Josh talked about this a bit on the main podcast, but like, because um, you're excited for 16, are you more psyched for that than yes, believing in 100%. the next part of seven? Um, the reason being is because um, what you got to look at Final Fantasy seven as being like gospel for, for, for some Final Fantasy totally. fans. So changing even the slightest bit of it basically annoyed half the fan base. Going <laughs> if you can get over that and just accept that this remake is just its its own thing, it it's totally, yeah, it's totally its own thing. And it was getting pretty wild towards the end of that plot so i have no idea where it's going to go going forward Mm -hmm. but i'm not sure if all the decisions in the narrative uh, were were the right ones i feel like we are hurrying towards a finish but because of they're trying to cram so much game into so little space as it were Mm -hmm. that it does feel like it's rushed condensed very thick it's a meaty game. It but. is very thick. We, uh, yeah, me and Josh talked about this on the pod, and I think he's going to play through Crisis Core for the first time, and we'll do a spoiler cast. So oh, I've, right, I've cool. got a lot more thoughts on that. When I went through it, because I finished it over the holiday, I really 
didn't like it. I liked it a hell of a lot less oh, than really? I did in 2005. Um, I think it plays very, very well. I mean, the reason I wanted to mention it now is that I think the combat in Crisis Core is brilliant. And I feel like the uh, Final Fantasy VII Remix combat and then Crisis Core, I feel like Final Fantasy just plays way better now than it ever has before. Yes. And I feel like that's maybe because they've got various combat de- designers or directors in from way better. But as a result, it's going somewhere else. And it? It's, it's going mm. like places. This is like the huge jump between uh, iterations. And you think to mm-hmm. yourself, is this the right step for Final Fantasy going forward? Mm. And I'm I'm on board for Final Fantasy 16 because, like you mm. say, they're not connected. They can be wildly different, and you can mm. judge them each on their own merits. So mm. that's fine. But as a continuation of a beloved story, I don't know. I feel like Rebirth's going like- to piss a lot of fans off. Because I, I love turn-based combat. I know we love turn-based combat and strategic, mm-hmm. strategic grid-based combat. So I didn't really like 12's combat that was like a kind of hybrid that of like odd. you're moving people yeah. around but you're waiting and then you're waiting for a bar to fill up and stuff. And then 15 still got it wrong for me where it was like you can kind of do some combos but you can't just hold the button to do it instead. Yeah, and you can't and then, evade attacks or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, you're still what, getting caught. What's the point of placement then? Like what am yeah, I doing exactly. here? And it's like, whereas in Crisis Core and um, the 7 Remake, you can dodge everything. You mm-hmm. can get away from spells and stuff. For the most part, you can you can dodge everything in Crisis Core, um, but some stuff will still catch you in 7 Remake. So I kind of hope that in 16, it kind of almost is like 7 Remake mixed with Devil May Cry, like a really yeah. active combat yeah. system um, where you're still avoiding stuff. But um, but yeah, your next question, please. So this is the thing. We've had a lot to feast on right here, but let's mm. so let's carry on to the food uh, topic and go to <laughs> Kevin Cooper, who says, uh, hello, you legend. Legends, a piece of toast pops out. What are you putting on it? Ooh, um, I'm a big jam man. I, I, I used to be I a know. honey man, and I got some honey for Christmas. Um, I, <laughs> my mum got me a big uh, honey pack thing with like six different honeys in. Amazing. But I'm a, I'm a jam man. I, I sort of like a bit of the old, um, what do you call it, conserve or something. Well, I don't actually know what conserve is, but when I go to buy jam, there's like jars of conserve. I think it's called conserve. Maybe it's preserve. It's something serve. Well, and yeah, it's cause, like because preserve is what you call it, just in terms of the the nature of packaging. So maybe it's not that. Maybe then. it's that. I've just I've seen that on the label, but it looked like jam, so I bought it and it tasted like jam. And I was like, if it had royal is jelly, this jam? If you had a, I don't think I have. What oh, the, what's royal jelly? That's the thing. I can't have it anymore because obviously veganists <laughs> do. But uh, okay, thing is, is that royal jelly is like a meat paste. It, no, no, it's it's the um the uh, stuff that is fed to the queen. Um, specifically because it's like a, um, it's a caviar. It's, it's super nutritious. Not, no, 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 not the queen, as in the queen, uh, uh, <laughs> the queen, the queen bee. Not right, okay. as like the queen. <laughs> she ain't eating not much no more. The queen's favorite too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, they should have said that. Actually, that would have been an easy yeah. marketable thing. Just had her going. I love the royal jelly. <laughs> um, so it's like this special, super, super thick, super sweet uh, thing. And my god, it is. Uh, it's worth every penny. But it is okay. pretty spenny, mate. I'll have to have a look. I also think um, sometimes you just need a bit of buttered toast. Like, I just feel like sometimes that's like the, the mozzarella Ed, Ed, pizza. Neddy. Buttered toast is the yeah. way to make. <laughs> just sometimes, I mean, I remember when this is in the last office, but when Josh didn't have much time to get his lunch, he just make some buttered toast. And I was like, have an actual oh, bit of food, my friend. The buttered bagels, man. Remember, we used to get like one pack of bagels oh. in per week, and it was a case yeah. of everyone would be fighting for it. And luckily, I was one of those <laughs> early risers. Me and Andy Murray used to get into the office for like, I don't know, like 8 30 or something like that. And mm-hmm. it would just be like, he and I looking at the uh, fresh pack of bagels on a Monday morning just being like, <laughs> we are the kings of breakfast right now. I'll tell you what, right? I This should be... Like, I just, Last year, I pioneered the idea of cereal on top of milk in a glass. Yes, yes, I don't yes. know why more people don't do, which what I'm going to pioneer now, which is jam on bagels, which is instead of bread, you know, like buttered toast, buttered bagels, jam on bagels, know. toast the bagels, and then put the jam on top or put the honey on top. I mean, in it's theory, really good. In theory, that works totally well. It's That's perfect. fine. But I just... 
I don't know. It's you know that much so bread? strange. Yeah, I mean, it's really good. Well, each bagel is meant to be apparently according to the carbohydrates or the calories or whatever it is. It's worth okay. four slices of toast each one. <laughs> that is mad. That is actually mad. But when all the butter started sinking in, and you got a lovely bit of um, uh, jam on there. That's mm. that's next level toast. Like if because I got so into coffee, I feel like I, I mean I take like half an hour to make breakfast, but it's like the bagel <laughs> stuff with the jam on and the fancy coffee. That's my like solid. I'm, I'm on holiday. I've made a fancy Stop coffee. Stop charging money thing. for this, mate. If it's Scott Scott's cafe, let's go. <laughs> These life hacks. Um, I'll throw in a question from Steve who says, Happy New Year, lads. What was the best non-gaming related thing from your break? Also, I guess, no, no, I was going to say I didn't ask you what you put on your uh, toast, but oh, it was the old Royal well, J. Do you know what? I'm going to go a bit crazy and I'm going to say mm-hmm. something that I've had recently because obviously over Christmas you have a lot of foods. Everyone gets out the fancy chutneys and the sort of yeah, things. Yeah. If I'm going to go real fancy, I've taken this toast, right? I've got some uh, sort of feta cheese or a, a vegan equivalent, and Ooh. I am putting on some fig chutney. That is oh, bush, bushy. I, I bought a big packet of what I thought were pigs in blanket crisps. It was figs in blankets. I've never Ooh. been so betrayed. And they were fine. I like, I like figs as Tesco, much as the next aren't they? I've had them, They're very much from Tesco. You know, I was like, I'm, on, I'm in a fancy mood. But <laughs> so, no. so Kerry was like, oh, um, uh, let eat this. And I was like, no, oh, they don't taste good. And she's like, now just, mm. don't, now just don't think of what they are. And I was like, right. I ate them again. I was like, oh, they're actually quite nice. If you, if you don't <laughs> know what they are or if somebody just gives you the crisp you're like yeah, yeah. they're all right but as soon as they tell you what it is it's like oh no no thanks I don't want that. it was weird that was yeah that was the weirdest thing and i remember like um saying to my wife i was like no no we've got pigs in blanket crisps thinking like because we have a whole feast on one of the evenings and it was like no no, no they're figs in blankets <laughs> hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. 
For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Um, but yeah, Steve says, what was our best non-gaming related thing from the break? And I'm going to use this okay. to shout out biscuit uh, biscuit topped Christmas pudding. I discovered that on Christmas. What? Um, I know it was like, I got it from um, <laughs> shouting out all the UK supermarket chains. I love it. Um, there was a place, uh, there's a place called Sainsbury's. You know this. I got a, a Christmas pudding, found Sainsbury's, and I guess they couldn't license Biscoff, which is obviously like blown yes. up right now. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. they did their version of like a Biscoff topped Christmas pudding that was full of like caramel sauce and everything else. But it was just called biscuit topped pudding i mean maybe there's better things in life but for me that was one of my absolute highlights was just having an entire biscuit top gigantic pudding to myself i mean that does sound amazing to be honest. <laughs> like the moment that i found as well because um we have those i think they're called lotus biscuits um or yeah yeah they're, they're the little tiny biscuit yeah, ones, and, yeah. and they're beautiful because if you crush mm-hmm. them up and put them with a bit of uh heavy cream you can make your own sort of like spread and it's just like oh oh the compote Compot, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Was that what you were <laughs> like trying to think of before compot. when we were saying conserve? Possibly. Uh, the thing I'm thinking is definitely preserve or conserve or confit or something. Confit. It's something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like some a, sort of pre-jam yeah, substance. Yeah, okay. um, but yeah, what was your best non-gaming thing from the holiday? Uh, non-gaming thing was actually uh, taking a step away from the screen, uh, spending mm. time with my family and friends, getting a lot of stuff done around the house, and basically just... I was. I did think of family after I, I said Christmas pudding. It's definitely family, but also Christmas. pudding. I kind of just like put everything that I do, uh, like hobby wise, like Warhammer wise, gaming wise. Mm. I just put it on hold, and I just mm. sort of stepped away and did a lot of fun stuff that was just not that. I nice. went out and saw mates. I uh, went on big walks with my missus on the uh, New Year's Day. We did a twelve mile hike, and that was just oh, like a nice way dude. to start the day and uh-huh. or the year. Sorry, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so just had a nice time away from that. So that was it. That's nice. I uh, yeah, I, I like the whole. I mean, I I think I've, again, have we talked about this on this podcast? I'm a big lover of water. Give me a big body of water. Give me a river. Give oh, me a stream. Yeah, give me a waterfall. Yeah. Give me water and I'll just sit and look at it. That's like, I'm I'm at one with the, the liquids at we that went, stage. I like that, I like that. Ages ago, uh, we went to Mid Wales and there was a uh, massive reservoir called, I think I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, hmm. Glynbrien. And it okay. was like this huge reservoir with a track that goes all the way around it. Stupidly, nice. we thought we could walk all the way around it. Mm. Uh, got halfway and realised that we'd been walking for nearly seven hours. So we were like, <laughs> uh, better turn back now. So this is going to uh-huh. be quite sketchy. Um, so yeah, uh, I absolutely love that walk because just you had it constantly in your peripherals mm. you were walking along the weather was beautiful and you just had that gleaming water just going mm-hmm. flat as you like and i was like oh beautiful i'll say anyone stuff. in the northeast of england or anyone who wants to just get on the old google maps uh, there's a place called bolam lake in the northeast nice. of england that uh, that we had a wander around that was just it had like lush wildlife bunch of swans and random stuff um in the lake and stuff and that, that was a very peaceful place to have a wander around See, as this well is the thing i, I want to move eventually in my life i want to move mm. to canada or something like that or like Ooh. or to scotland where it's just you 
get those Shout lakes, out. but they're you could live right on the edge of it. Like mm-hmm. there was, there's that scene we just finished watching The Sopranos, and mm-hmm. there's uh, towards the end of that uh, season, uh, the last season, they go to a lake house that's there, and it's just their house ends. There's a small bit of beach, and it's right out onto this reservoir. And I was like, nice. that is the life. That is amazing. I was thinking that for uh, the Lake District, like in England, like to the in the the west or whatever. There's like a whole massive place called the Lake yeah, District, and yeah. loads of mountainous regions, lovely like assortments of lakes and views and everything. And I had the same thing. I was like, I can retire here. That was my immediate thought was like, this is where I want to be like in a bunch of years time when I'm sick of the content life, when I don't need to, I don't think there's a video game shop within like a 200 mile radius or something. Yeah. No but, Wi-Fi, like, no nice nothing. To relax. You've just got yeah. whatever games you've carried into the wilderness with you and that's it. Hey, but the honey that's there is premium. Yeah. So don't worry about it. There's, there's enough fees right Scott there. Scott just becomes a bear. Like, it's just like a, um, and speaking of a shredding up skin with Felsosh face melting uh, riffs, let's talk about Garage Rock Podcast's question, which is, what Ooh. is the best rock song from the 1990s? Uh, Killing in the Name. Oh, uh, Rage Against the Machine. You're good. not going to, I don't know if you can beat that. If we're doing, I mean, the thing is, like, I, I remember thinking, or that, I'm sure that song was voted like the ultimate rock yeah. song or something. Yeah. Um, and it's also the most misunderstood thing. Everyone's always like, the F you, I won't do what you tell me, as if it's like some teenage anthem of like, no, mum, I'm yeah. staying up till two. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, it's way deeper than that. I absolutely loved that song. I think it was because mm. it was the Battle for Los Angeles that was on the album, wasn't it? I think. Uh, Killing in the, actually, Killing in the Names off the self titled, which might predate the 90s. That, was that because um, it had. Gorilla Radio. Oh, you, if you had, if you had, if you had Battle of LA, then you've got Sleep Now in the Fire and Testify yeah, no, like and that, all that, that kind of Testify stuff. Testify was was my jam back in the oh. day. I absolutely loved that. Um, mm-hmm. Nineteen ninety one for the uh, the self title. Oh, so there you go. So it just so we're all right in there. Um, we're all right. I'd say that maybe in terms of the one of the most iconic songs of the nineteen mm-hmm. nineties, uh, Nirvana "Smells Like Teen Spirit" is it's like mm. it's, it's overplayed to death right now, mm-hmm. but it is absolutely phenomenal like it's so simplistic in what it delivers it is mm-hmm. the perfect grunge song you may be sick of it by now but you can't yeah. deny that when it comes on <laughs> in a club that you're not just dancing along to it that was i mean that thing actually it was 1992 for rage against the machine but i think um yeah Nevada, like never mind like i love that whole thing what that album meant like it changed what like rock music could be like the yeah. whole idea it doesn't need to be glamour it doesn't need to be showy it can just be a bunch of dudes in flannel shirts in a garage like that's the epitome of garage yeah. rock kind of thing like and i love the whole like the whole seattle scene that goes alongside that um yeah man i I love stuff like that. And not to be all old man about it, but like Rage Against the Machine and Nirvana. I mean, we both grew up on them. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. not that we're that old, but we were still getting into them when we were like across the 90s. Um, it's, so it's a pretty it's good It's so pick. weird, isn't it? When you go through like your old Spotify playlist or you go through mm. your album collections and you just see like the stuff that you've made in the past. Because I was just like looking through and I was like, damn, man, I, there's a big smack of emo stuff that came in around <laughs> the sort of like mid 2000s that. And I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, that was where I truly came alive at that point. It was just like, <laughs> <laughs> All of these angsty, potentially whiny bands, but I was like, right. yeah, this is it. Because like, you. This is it. Do you remember like your first album that you got where you were like, this is mine. Like, this is like a part of like my taste. Yeah. The the first thing that I remember buying um, Mm. that I was like, it was my own money. It was my own thing. My own choice was the Mm. Marshall Mathers LP Slim Shady. Nice. um, And I was just like, I thought that that right there was as intense and as visceral as music was ever going to get. Because I felt like I was right on the scene as it was happening because Mm -hmm. it was just like unlike anything else. But Mm -hmm. then when my rap right my taste in rap hasn't faded but i definitely got overtaken by my love of rock metal and it just got heavier and heavier and heavier and the one album that i remember taking home and it's cringeworthy now like utterly cringeworthy but it was a soul fly 
Or was it Soul? Ooh, show. So I think, yeah, it was a Soulfly album that I came home with. And uh-huh. it was just, I had it on repeat and I just played it again and again right. and again and again. And I was just like, I listened to it the other day and I was like, this is bollocks. This is absolutely <laughs> terrible. But at the time I was like, yes. Mine was um, Hybrid Theory because oh, I never had. album, man. I remember like the feeling of, because I never had a CD player when I was growing up. Obviously CDs weren't even that readily available until yeah. like the sort of like mid nineties. And, um, and I eventually got like a hi-fi. It was like my own one that was bought for me for Christmas. And I got a hi-fi or like a CD player with, um, uh, hybrid theory and I remember I still remember that feeling of like this is mine I can play this whenever I want it's yeah. mine I can put it in my room and I can play it and I just I remember like putting it on and I was sat with all my grandparents and my uh, my parents and everything on Christmas day and like I don't know when yeah that came out but I remember being quite young and uh, I remember just putting it on and I put crawling on because yeah, I was just like that's yeah, the only one that I knew yeah. and my grandparents face just being like is this what even is this? music what the hell is this and I just but at the same time I was just like this is so me I'm an angsty teen I love hybrid yeah. theory like it was that thing so I'd, I'd go Linkin Park. There was that uh, period as well when all of our sort of rap, rock, metal got infused with electronica as well. And mm. I remember Linkin Park especially because it brought out the reanimated album, which was oh, just yeah, their, the Jay Z stuff. Their old no, 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 not the not the remix stuff. There, it was like um, I can't remember what album it was, but it was all remix tracks of their previous album that had just came out okay. and had a big like Gundam on the front. And man, oh, well, that was reanimated. That, uh-huh. that got me into sort of electronica stuff. Like my dad mm. had shown me the Prodigy like way back and I was into that but I'd never mm-hmm. explored beyond that and every single name that was on that list be they a rapper or a music artist that was into mm. electronica and stuff I was like trying to ask friends about I didn't have access to the internet so I was like have you heard of this person can you find me this thing I went down to yeah, my yeah. local record store I was asking if they had any more of that and that sparked off a whole love for I guess synth wavy bits and mm. like heavy electronica stuff because you mm-hmm. listen to a lot of synth wave I know now as well totally now yeah yeah because the thing is like I Linkin Park like for them specifically their arc as a band they went way more into the electronica stuff and mm. they went way more into like non they weren't that heavy anymore and they sort of changed their sound quite a lot yeah. and I remember at the time angsty a-holes like me were just sort of like oh no it's not the way it was I don't like it whatever but during the pandemic especially it was in 2020 I was just like I'm going to go through Linkin Park's entire catalogue just for the lols I haven't been through it in decades yeah. and I went through everything I actually really love that A Thousand Sons album and obviously some of the lyrics oh, yeah. are quite cheesy yeah, yeah, yeah. and whatever but like you can tell that they were experimenting with something else and I like how much they commit to it and like there are some really good sonic landscapes on that album like mm-hmm. just really good progressions of songs and everything so or compositions that like yeah, I would still recommend like if part of you was put off by it because you were a bit younger I think there's there is actually quite a bit to enjoy about it if you go back to it now um, it's not going to be the best in that field but like for those guys trying something when they were that big it's it's kind of cool that's something that I would just say in general as a life mm. rule go back to stuff that you potentially didn't like when you were a kid mm. because you mm. might be able to appreciate it in a entirely different light now because there's totally. bands that I go back to and listen to their first albums that I thought were utter garbage when I was growing <laughs> up because it wasn't what I was looking for at the time yes. now I go back to them and I'm like damn, this is so heavy or this is amazing or this is unlike anything that I thought this band was from where Mm -hmm. they are now. Like a good example of that is um, Biffy Clyro. Like where they are now, Stadium rock, big mm. sound, but they are very radio friendly. Yeah, they're nowhere near as quirky as they used to be. First couple of albums, like Vertigo of Bliss, Infinity Land, and stuff like mm. that. You're just like, holy crap, these are <laughs> in, these are pretty insane. Yeah, I love that. There's a quote that I absolutely love from Genova Chen, who made uh, Journey and a few other games too, and um, where he's like, mature art will age with you. And it's mm. like, there's always like a, a core to a thing that if it's made with a level of maturity or a level of forethought or whatever, you can go back to it year on year and get something else out of it. And it's weird saying that about Linkin Park, yeah. but there are bits of those albums that are cool and worth revisiting um, that definitely weren't appreciated in their time. Yep. Um, next question from uh, Mike McGuckin who says, welcome back. Was it a mistake giving Forspoken a demo? 
know. I found it nothing special, and I'm not excited about the full game, yeah. especially at £65. Yeah, I um, part of me was going to do the, the sick thing I do and buy it anyway because I <laughs> like to check in on everything. Um, but I found I played the demo because there is a demo on PlayStation, yeah. and I was I was like, this is this is immediately very off-putting, mainly because of the dialogue, but also because of just the way that it feels to move around in that game. It just wasn't very satisfying. That's and a real shame. You know. Yeah, it just it feels like you know if you told like a, if you programmed an algorithm, if you programmed that, what's that chatbot that's doing the rounds like ChatGPT, the one that oh, like yeah, does yeah, everything yeah, for yeah, you? Yeah, like and, and if it, you asked that to like design a video game, it would make Forspoken. It's like it's got quippy MCU dialogue, it's got numerics popping off the characters, it's got loot, uh, you know, loot components, just so boring at this stage. That's a real shame because um, I haven't played the demo and I wasn't actually aware that there was one out there, and I mm. was actually looking forward to the sort of magic and hand to hand combat. You might system. love it. I don't like know. no, that's. Sounds like a massive turnoff for me, mate. Like if I could only just about get onto most action um, RPG style stuff if they've mm. got like a phenomenal combat system. I've been spoiled mm-hmm. by the likes of Platinum Game Studios, like coming in basically saying this is mm. how you do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the combat. Yeah, I think it's just everything feels quite floaty and just not really that satisfying no, to land no, hits and I'm, cast I'm, spells I'm and out. whatever. <laughs> I'm out. So I'm I'm very curious how it reviews because it's very safe and there's a certain level of like almost objective stuff there where it's like, well, it does take all these boxes. Like it's recommendable if you. You just want to enjoy a fantasy thing and yeah. not really think about it very much. But then again, we, you and I, we championed the idea of the six and seven out of ten games being the yeah. future of all mankind. And I do <laughs> think that, like, is, is Forspoken just going to be that? Is it just going to be... Because recently, um, Dead Island 2, the mm. developers who picked it up off of uh, Deep Silver, they mm. said that they aren't actually trying to change the world with their video game. They're not trying to tell a deeper story about humanity being the true okay. evil. It's just about killing zombies and having fun. And you know mm-hmm. what? There is always going to be space for four games that are just dumb fun. Mm-hmm. So maybe Forspoken could be that. But I think it's, it's just like, like it depends. Yeah, exactly. It depends. Like, does it feel ambitious? Does it feel charming? Does it feel genuine? Mm. I don't think Forspoken feels genuine. It genuine, feels like it's, yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, it feels like it was made by a bunch of corporate people, like lining stuff up on a whiteboard and then drawing lines, like arrows between it. And let's, yeah. let's synergize all this stuff. Um, maybe there is like a soul in there, but um, it, something like the Avengers didn't have a soul. Yes. Um, you know, I would, I would argue something like Gotham Knights does have a soul. That's the distinguishing thing for me. is that it tortured soul. <laughs> <laughs> At least it feels like people wanted to make yeah. it. Um, Forspoken doesn't feel like anyone actually wanted to make it and considering they have Amy Hennig and Gary Witter writing it um, you know Uncharted fame Star Wars and then it's all so generic I'm just like you've stripped so much out of this bizarre man well so this is the thing it leads me to my last question of the podcast Mm. today uh, which is from Reaper Fit because while Forspoken may not be one of your all time favourite games they say I got the 100 movies to see before you die poster what three games should we all play before the end (laughs) Before the end, yep. um, I would say um, um, my mind goes to old school stuff almost immediately. Although I guess I would say Final Fantasy VII on PS One, mm-hmm. Metal Gear Solid on PS One, mm-hmm. and then The Last of Us and um, the original 2013's bad, The Last man. of Us. Um, I guess you could replace it with the remake if you want. I just feel I'm always like a stickler for like the originals unless something has really meaningfully changed. No, I, I agree because I do think that you've got to see where it came from, and I feel like yeah. if you're going to look at gaming history, you do need to have at least one of your three games being from mm. the early annals of where everything was like the melting pot that everything mm-hmm. was being tried everything was just like being explored and you because you mm-hmm. got the best and weirdest games out of it um mm-hmm. they didn't have to make back the insane amount of budgets that they do today so there was totally. no risk being taken like the mm-hmm. avant-garde video game makers mm-hmm. i'd say that three games to play before you die i'm gonna go one's gonna be controversial one is a okay. dead winner 
and one I'm just going to choose a retro game that I absolutely adore. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one that is going to be the controversial one mm-hmm. is going to be Death Stranding. Now, the reason Ooh, being, no, I, the reason being is because it is unlike any other game. It's out so there. good, and because it has such a torrid, strange legacy. <laughs> and Hideo Kojima is such an odd, odd individual. Yeah, it's just. You kind of have to play it at least once just to get your head around it. And even once you you won't understand it. Yeah, and also, like, it's very meditative. Like, for example, if, if you knew the end was coming, that would be a nice place to spend your time. Yeah. Like, I don't get too morbid about it, but I feel like there is a relaxed headspace to that game. It is a place, that whole thing, uh, I know that the dude, the uh, the front man for, um, I can't even think of the band now, there's the band that did most of the songs for that what, soundtrack. Bring the Horizon? No, no, the... Um, uh, Wild, Wild Raw, I think they're called. Okay, right. And um, the front man passed away last year. Um, but there's a lyric in there where it's like silence for the feeling. And it's like, if you want to give in to all that sort of vibe of just just doing, just delivering some packages, uniting the world bit yep. by bit, doing your thing and talking to people and, and what is life and all that kind of stuff. I think that it gets there with a lot of those vibes. I don't think the ending is very good, oh, but no, I think no. it gets there. Um, and Kojima's hilarious framing of humanity in the face of apocalyptic gods is fun. But it's, but, so, um, it's yeah. so different. And I feel like that's why it deserves to be played at least once before you go out. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd say that Disco Elysium has got to be my surefire banger. It is, in my opinion, one of the best games that has ever been made. I know Mm -hmm. that I am tooting this thing's horn like it is no tomorrow, but maybe the best. Yeah, you said the best written game of all time. I I just, I just can't. There are faults with it. It is not Mm. a game game. It is a game that you need to really approach with a sense of I have a PhD and I want to flex it style thing. (laughs) That's fine sometimes. Sometimes games should challenge you and be difficult to wrap your head around because you get mm-hmm. the most out of it once you put mm-hmm. it in. For every person that critiqued D- Disco Elysium, I then asked them, do you like Dark Souls? And most of the time they said yes. And I was like, it's the same principle, but instead of right. combat, it's dialogue. Just that's think, interesting. Of, think of it like that. It's the mm-hmm. Dark Souls of dialogue. Oh, bloody hell. I've that's, ruined that's myself actually, now. I've ruined myself with that. No, that's, that is really interesting. Though, be- gone. <laughs> <laughs> because like, Disco does ask a lot of you and asks you to like hold a lot of lore and canon mm-hmm. in your head. And then they start tweaking things with it with various like, you know, political, like dissections of the political landscape or the entire world that they're describing. And like, I found that quite hard in the moment to be like, okay, I'm, I'm memorizing so much so that these conversations make sense, but there is a payoff there. And like, that is kind of fascinating that it almost is the, the dark souls of dialogue driven or, or text driven games. Um, Please no its one ever quote me on that. I do not <laughs> want that being on my, uh, my bit. Hey, I said Monster Hunter World was the dark souls of whatever the hell I said. I remember people getting annoyed about that in 2017, but I was like, I'm just talking about the combat. I'm just talking about the way you interact with stuff. And now let's go for my final game, the last one that you should play before you die. And mm. I think that we've gone quite heavy with the pre- with the prior two. So let's go a mm. little bit silly, mm-hmm. but still impactful. And we're going to choose... special. I was going to say Ape Escape. Ape Escape, <laughs> Ape Escape is a beautiful show. Because, because of how much it revolutionized the use of analog control systems built mm. from the ground up with that in mind. It is the perfect mm. synergy between player and controller at that point in time. The UK version of it, if you can get your hands on a copy, please, US mm. and abroad residents, please seek it out. And why do you, well, why do you want to know that? Because we get a banging opening uh, music number that I don't think that you got. And the voice acting is awful. Oh, yeah. It is the worst, <laughs> but it is so funny. 
They um, put Ape Escape on the PlayStation Premium service. Yes. Um, so you can get that if you pay like the top tier thing, which I actually just canceled because I was like the top tier of PlayStation What's Plus the point is of it? terrible. Yeah. yeah. Like Ape Escape is great, but nothing else of that caliber is really on there. It's yeah. sort of like just a handful of stuff that you're not going to want. Um, I should say that that band that I mentioned before is Low Raw, not Wild okay. Raw. Okay. Low Raw are the dudes that uh, did the Death Stranding soundtrack. Um, and next question from Willie Orea who says, did we catch the quote from Konami producer Noriaki Akamura saying that several announcements are coming this year from Konami, including a long-awaited title. Happy New Year as well. Um, does this person mean Metal Gear? Happy New Year to yourself. Do you think Konami do a Metal Gear in 2023? No, nope. I'm afraid not. I'm afraid not. I think that as soon as Death Stranding 2 was announced and that mm. Kojima was going to carry on working with that, uh, any hope that I had of him going back to Konami to repair bridges, oh, I don't think it'll be with bridges, Kojima. Um, yeah. that he was going to do that. I don't think that they're going to carry on with the license because I think that the moment that Konami puts out a Metal Gear title, fans mm. are just going to go hold up Metal Gear Survive again and be like, more of the same, is it? Oh, we're yeah. not going to buy this because you have literally destroyed any good faith that we had mm. in that IP. Mm-hmm. I think I think I guess you would do if if by some miracle Kojima goes back to Konami and doesn't have to deal with whatever that president was that kicked him out or whatever, mm. then I guess you get a whole marketing push of oh my god Hideo Kojima returns to Konami. But I it's, would rather yeah. I guess a different team did it or something. I just I feel as much as I love Metal Gear and I grew up on Metal Gear, I do feel like the ship has sailed, like it's well, we, done. We I mean, capped out. You know. We finished the story. Yeah. We've, we're done, right? Sure. Yeah. We're, we're done. Like there was only so many times that you can have resurrected characters coming back and political intrigue and the world mm-hmm. ending before you actually start to become a parody of yourself like Metal Gear yeah. S- Solid 5 was a phenomenal game but towards the end of it I actually felt like this is it's a game that's taking itself too seriously to the point where mm. you're almost taking the piss out of itself it's honestly like, like the like, story's the weakest part of that yeah, game yeah and it did yeah, fall I off think, a cliff towards the end unfortunately yeah I remember when um, there was like a thing a couple of years ago it was like Colin Moriarty on the Secret Symbols podcast just randomly said he was talking about Konami and he was just like well I, I, I know there's another Metal Gear in development and he went on to something else and it was like okay so it mm. seems like something is coming mm. but and I if I was going to pull it threads I would take like a maybe like a game about the boss or a game about Grey Fox or you could call it something like Metal Gear Fox and instead of Metal Gear Solid or whatever. Maybe you flesh it out that way and flesh out what they did in the timeline, but... Yeah, I, no, guess, no, no. I guess so. It's very common for um, long breaks between games like this for them to do prequels, and we already did mm. that with Metal Gear Solid 3, so I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know where you go with this. I, if, if you're going to do anything interesting with it, bring back Acid. Acid was such a beautiful, I love little, beautiful little card game. Uh, just was so out of left field. I thought mm-hmm. it was brilliant. One of the best of all, games Yeah, of all the, like... Yeah, yeah, of all the PSP games getting a re-release, like Crisis Core and stuff, put, just put Acid out. Put yeah. it out as a mobile game. Yeah. Like, even if you just, something where you can actually play it. And I love the um, hand-drawn um, little, like, uh, stylized storyboards that they had going in between. I thought that, that was... Yeah, actually. Yeah, that was because nice it was never canon. It was like Snake had, like, longer hair and stuff. It was, yeah, like, it was very odd, wasn't it? Look or something. I have zero faith in Konami, but this is going to be the year that they are <laughs> trying harder. I mean, they did the Castlevania collection. They put yes. the TMNT collection yes. out. So they definitely want to remind people that they have games. Um, but I guess we'll see. I mean, this dude tweeting something uh, means that, I guess, some game is on the horizon yes, um, but for now this has been the Entitled Panda Podcast the UBP the UBP the UBP a massive massive thank you to everybody for sending in their questions a happiest a happiest of the newest of the years mm. to every single person listening to this uh, I've been Scott Tilford joined by Jules Gill I have indeed and remember you can catch up with us next Thursday we're going to be putting out the call for your questions over yeah. on Instagram and over on Twitter Scott will be putting it out on Twitter at slash LP89 and I will be over on Instagram at RetroJ, but the O is a zero. So keep your eyes peeled and your fingers ready to text us more absolutely <laughs> mad stuff. Be beautiful. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next week. Goodbye. Bye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.